Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. It's Chris Howard from Lace Partners in a Chris-flavoured duet today. I've got him chuckling already after a minute, and I love it. I'm going to introduce him straight now. It's our payroll expert, our resident payroll expert, Chris Kirby. How are you doing, mate? You all right? I'm very good. Thanks, Chris. Good to be here again. Yeah, it's uh, it's really good to have you on. So we are going to talk all things the future of payroll. Now, this obviously being your passion your subject that you've done 100 million years working in the payroll industry, even though we're about the same age. So I'm going to probe you on a couple of points that we talked about in our recent blog that you wrote, which came out in a two-parter, because uh, there's quite a lot to talk about when you're just talking about such a macro discussion as what is the future of the payroll function? So we'll just break it down into some of those sections. And of course, if you're listening to this now and you'd like to get access to the podcast, we can give you access through our website and we'll send you a link in the show notes as well. We're also running an event, a networking event. We're trying to get payroll professionals together so that they can talk about some of these issues. So at the time of this being released on Thursday, the 31st of March. Uh, We're actually running a networking uh, lunch with uh, a number of payroll professionals. So if you are a payroll professional and you are interested in getting involved with our community, our forum, then please reach out to us because we're happy to start broadening that out and develop a, a little community as it is. But I've done far too much talking. So it's time to start probing you, Chris, on uh, some of the uh, pieces that you wrote in the actual blog, the two-part blog that you put together. But let's start off with this kind of idea of the impact of the cloud. And in the blog, you talk about that you've been involved in a number of journeys to the cloud. And I guess I want to just start with a, a broad, what's the impact of cloud transformations been on the payroll function? Has there been much of an impact? Because all departments, all types of businesses t- seem to be focusing on let's move everything from on-premise to the cloud, but what are the actual implications that you've seen for payroll professionals? Yeah, good, great question, Chris. Um, and, and it's it's nice a nice change for somebody else to be talking for hours because it's normally, <laughs> normally me being shut up, isn't it? So yeah, it, like I say, good question. And, and I guess there's positives and negatives to it as there is with most things. And I'll start with a couple of the positives. And I think the, the, the benefits of the shift to the cloud, I've, I've worked myself in in-house teams with on-premise solutions and just the maintenance of them is so costly. It's very intensive in terms of you know um, requirements to upgrade, to improve, et cetera, et cetera. And for that to have gone away and for everything to be sort of handled, managed remotely is, I can't really undersell the benefits of that. I think also the focus of those of these cloud products is very much sort of user focused in terms of being able to provide the modern UX and user experience around, you know, app app access, getting things you know, at your fingertips, being able to interact with the system in the modern way, as opposed to firing off emails or maybe using a completely bespoke interface that would been put on top of an on-premise solution previously. So there are a number of really positive impacts of, of this shift to the cloud. I think from a payroll perspective, I don't want to sound too negative, but from a payroll perspective, that, that those things do, I think, come at a cost and have come at a cost. I think the the big, big positive of those previous sort of the previous trend of 
on-premise and bespoke solutions is you can really get them to do anything. So you had control over the the code, over the the logic in them, and you know with some of the the meaty solutions, you could get them to make all the decision making. To, sorry, the decisions that you need need the system to uh, need to be made. Sorry, that you get the system to do it in the modern cloud-based uh, products that isn't the case there's there's limitations to sort of configuration and customization a lot of the time the input has to be streamlined it can't handle as much complexity when it when when users are interfacing with it and what i think that's meant for payroll teams is i call it the brain but that brain that makes those decisions is has shifted in a lot of places to people so people are sitting there with a bunch of in many places not everywhere but in many places cleaner and streamlined data because it's all come through these modern streamlined you know improved ux uh, portals but then the decision making that needs to be made isn't done by the system so before it then gets to the payroll system which in many places is a third party system there's there's churn that needs to be done and and a lot of that we see is actually sitting with the payroll teams now so previous governance processes which were just a check and and yeah you know tick everything's okay there's nothing nothing wrong here is actually the trigger to make some of those decisions Mm. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. Can I ask a question? So we obviously as a business, we spend a lot of time talking about digital transformations, you know, that journey to the cloud from a HR lens, a HR transformation lens. Do you think that payroll teams, the payroll function has been lagging behind in terms of this, their approach to cloud transformation in comparison to other departments and other projects and other systems that have been put in place. What's your general view from that perspective? So I wouldn't necessarily say the payroll teams themselves have been lagging behind. I I think as part of those transformations, though, it's perhaps fair to say payroll were more of an afterthought than perhaps they should have been and, and weren't necessarily at the table at the point they should have been. Now, there's I guess successes um, can be a, a, your, your downfall sometimes. And, and there's one of the reasons for that is because typically payroll make sure that people are paid and they make sure they're paid accurately. And because of that, there's often not so much noise from a from a successful sort of payroll team. So if you're sat there with these bespoke solutions, you're paying everybody accurately, you're paying them on time, everything's being done properly, people don't even really know you exist unless they yeah. need to contact you for something. So it's only when that changes and actually there's issues that payroll take this more prominent role. So I think it, it, it is fair to say that payroll weren't necessarily or haven't necessarily been in a prominent enough role as part of those broader transformations. I just don't think it's the teams themselves that have been kind of left behind or lagging behind. Yeah, it's it's the old swan adage, isn't it? So it's like if, you know, if above the surface it's all looking fine, then I don't care as long as you're... Uh... As long as you're paying me my cash, as long as it's dropping into my bank account, then it's all fine. But let's kick on. Let's move away from that slightly. Actually, it's kind of touching on it because one of the sections that you talk about is the impact of the pandemic. And what I thought was interesting in your piece is you talk about how, you know, it, it's not a pandemic thing. Cloud and the desire for uh, cloud migration is not a pandemic thing. So let's take it as a broad brush. What kind of impacts has that pandemic had on the payroll team or the payroll department? Um, so again, I think 
positives and negatives here. So from a negative point of view, clearly that it was a ve- it was a logistical nightmare. And from a payroll perspective, the ideal scenario is nothing's changing. You've got a solid base, you've got a solid bunch of rules, you've got a, a stable, you know, company, broader sort of organizational landscape. And where that's the case, payroll's frankly quite easy. You know, there's not too much that changes. Obviously over the last couple of years it, it payroll were you know, hit on by governments with emergency legislation. They were having to do different things with money to make sure that people were paid through furlough schemes, et cetera, et cetera. And clearly that makes just the day-to-day job very difficult. So so there there was clearly a negative, as there was across across society, there was a very negative angle to it. In terms of, I think, a, a positives or, or some positives that have, that have come about because of the last couple of years, though, I think what happened during that time is companies, for a number of reasons, whether it's they were, you know, they made buyouts, companies were bought out during that period. There was some significant changes in terms of, you know, offices closing, changing, people merging, you know, different locations, etc. Because of all of those those changes within organization, there was this massive desire for data, for example. And I think what what we've heard from a lot of people is that data previously would have been somebody sat in an office pulling 15 different reports together. It would take them three days to put it together and out would come a report. And that's all that the management team would ever see. That wasn't going to work during the pandemic where they needed it yesterday to make a decision that you know was was pressing. So it's really shone the light, I think, on the payroll team and what they were doing and, and also on the products and on the capabilities of some of the the, the tools that people have or, or lack of capability as the case may be so it i think what that while that was maybe a challenge i think what it did in, in the positive light is really bring payroll to the fore in terms of being the place where you know there's this upstream streamlined hcm tool that's moved to the cloud but it's only got very basic data in it where is all that data we need who can we ask to give us all of that data and without going to five different departments doing separate requests and then joining it together, the only place people could go for that was payroll. And I think that's really brought payroll up to the table. Yeah. Can I ask a slightly off-piste question? Because we saw you touch on it, I think it is in part two of the blog, because what you were just saying there is triggered with me within me thoughts of, I wonder how much the skills of payroll person X, homogenous payroll person X, how much has that changed pre-pandemic to post-pandemic because of that requirement? You know, you were saying, oh, you've got 15 different data sources, you've got to pull all that together. That takes a certain type of individual, doesn't it? And now, I guess, if we're talking about the future of payroll and the skills that somebody is going to need to operate in this new landscape, do you see there's been much of a flip, much of a change in terms of that kind of archetypal perfect payroll person post-pandemic? It's changing, certainly, and I think it will continue to change and it will be a very different picture in a, in a few years' time. I think, again, you can look at, I call it traditional, but really, the, you know, the, the old school kind of payroll. And I, and I can say that because I am I have been one and, I, you know, I, I count my experience in decades these days. So I'm... I'm, we, I'm can we pause for a second? I'm not having this. You and I are in our 30s. <laughs> I'm not having, just for, just for our listeners out there, I'm a little bit sort of... I'm getting close. I'm I'm hitting. I'm knocking on the door of forty here. I'm not having you say old school to describe yourself because it makes me feel old. Apologies. Carry on. <laughs> maybe I'm maybe I'll re re clarify then. But I I can actually speak from pre cloud days. There we, there we go. I'm not I'm not necessarily old. So yeah, I think. And and this actually speaks to the the tra- the function. Sorry, itself, whereby payroll has traditionally been quite transactional, and it. it, it Rightly or wrongly, it has been a case of as long as my pay is in my account and 
you know, and it's right. I don't really need to ever contact you. And, and, and that's a good thing, right? So when we look at the people that have supported payroll over the years, over the decades, whatever it is, it's been about supporting that. And it's about, you know, control and, and, and focus and, and, you know, audit, et cetera, et cetera. And those things will never go away. They will always form a key part of a payroll person um, and a payroll person's role. What I think was already happening, though, and what is has probably continued to happen during the pandemic and maybe even been emphasised in that period is this shift to actually payroll don't just need to be transactional and and it's not just about just get my pay in my account on time and accurately every month it's about actually can, what else can payroll bring to the table so when we look at that and we talk about some of the issues in in the blog you've mentioned you know we look at forward thinking and it's not just about looking at the data for example it's about actually thinking about the need for that data and not just looking at something and going oh we've got an issue let's fix it it's about actually we've got an issue i do need to fix it because this is a, it's payroll right if i don't fix it someone's getting paid well but also actually how do i make sure and how can i build a picture to ensure that that there's a permanent solution to that and that it doesn't happen again. And actually, does that form a part of a strategic drive or, or one of our group wide goals or, or anything like that? So I think it's more of a mindset shift. I think mm. the, the people and the skills at a component level may be quite similar, but I think people are going to need to think differently to form part of the future payroll team. Yeah. Do you know what you just said there, which again resonated with me when you were talking about that need to be a little bit different. It's not transactional and actually seeing the wider picture and the role that payroll can play instead of just the transactional as long as I get paid. And this links to the next part that I just wanted to talk about in the blog, which is about financial well-being. Like we talk at LACE about the importance of EVP, your employee value proposition. And We've done a lot of pieces on, well, a few pieces on financial well-being and that's and the impact that that can have on the deal, if you like, that we are that a business is offering to its employees. And financial well-being is seen as this could be a real positive upside in terms of how we can offer something to our employees that encourages them, you know, retains them, uh, shows them that. We're actually investing in them and in their welfare as well. So can you just touch your just a minute or two on your thoughts of the impact of financial well-being? Yeah, absolutely. It, I, I love this subject. And I think it, what it demonstrates in part is I think like payroll, companies need to evolve, right? It's all part of an evolution of a company. If you go back maybe even only 15 years or so, mental health wasn't really on the radar for a company. There wasn't this this drive for mental well-being. I think it's fair to say most companies now are, have a, a support package for employees that, that includes a mental health sort of service and support where, where that's required. Financial well-being certainly isn't at that level at the moment but it's certainly becoming more popular and i think it's just part of that duty of care of a company and, and it's what people are looking for now it's no longer a hard and fast you know i'd turn up to the same job for 35 years and and i take a final salary pension and retire on, on the almost the same money actually life's different these days and people are looking at companies and employment differently so i think part of that is indeed looking at financial well-being and i think that one of the i forget the percentage but one of the key key facts around society in the uk in particular but also around the world is people aren't taught 
about money management and how to manage finances at school. It's just not something we're taught. So you're very reliant on, in many cases, parents and, and whether they can you know, nurture that. That's a huge gap. And actually, it's a key part of our lives, all of our lives. So, so it's right, I think, that companies explore whether they can whether they can fill that gap. And the particular angle of financial well-being that I really do like is this idea and concept of a financial coach, and whether that's at the company. You know, there's nothing to stop a company employing financial advisors and, and things like that to to support, or whether it's via a product or a, a service. You know, that's already there and, and well established. I think it's a, a really solid and. and I think it's just right that companies offer that. I think the other, one of the most popular and common angles is around pay on demand. And this is, there's so much mileage in this for conversation because it's the, I mentioned earlier around the traditional and old payroll and pre-cloud days and all that sort of stuff. This is a perfect, perfect illustration of the old mindset versus the, the modern mindset. And I think if you go back 15 years, myself, sat there in a payroll department as an administrator, you know, I'm sat there. It's drummed into me that I have a social responsibility to employees, right? It's we have to look after them through what we do. We don't, we're not irresponsible. If you had got, and I mentioned this in the blog, I think, if you if you had five, six court orders for somebody, you'd probably arrange for HR to have a conversation with them, et cetera, et cetera, and, and, and look after them that way. So I look at it and I say, actually, if I was 18 years old and someone gave me the opportunity to take all of the money I'd earned up to this point in the month now, I probably would have done. And all I all I would do is just shift that problem. But I'd be essentially being paid in lieu because I'd be being paid all the time for what I'd already worked rather than waiting for the end of the month. So while I think it's right that we challenge it, it's right that, you know, there's there's those opportunities and there's actually companies that are doing that very well and responsibly as well, by limiting the amount that you can do and, and you know, that you can report back to management and things like that on, on the stats and usage. It's certainly not a you can't do that, but it's the perfect illustration of, is this a good thing to offer? We should be offering it. Actually, we need to do it responsibly. It's the perfect illustration. Yeah, and yeah. The conversations that I've had, the few conversations that I've had with professionals, payroll and HR and business leaders as well, it's very much a view that it could get to a point where most organizations are seeing this as a, that we have to do this anyway. So those organizations that are getting on board now potentially are giving themselves an advantage now, but then also setting themselves up for future and the, the benefits of their of their employees that they the employees may themselves demand at, at some point. I wanted to move us on to talk about blockchain. And I'll be completely honest with you, I can't even remember. I think we've had this conversation before, but I can't even remember the number of times in which I have spoken to people about blockchain. And even in, as I get rapidly older and graying in hairs, I'm still not 100% as to how it's going to impact things like payroll. So can you just give me just a bit of a top line view as to your kind of view on, on the benefits from a payroll perspective and that evolution of blockchain, which you mentioned in the in part two of the blog? Yeah, and and I'll, I have to be honest, it, it it's very speculative for everybody involved. I don't think anybody really knows what's going to happen, but I think we can take a look at it and follow you know natural progression and think about where it could go. I think first of all, just to park the cryptocurrency angle, we're not talking about cryptocurrency here. This is one of the lessons that I had to learn quickly. Is that is a different thing to when we talk about blockchain, but people often associate the two as being one and the same. So cryptocurrency actually is a is a relevant point because there are already companies who 
offer people's pay by a cryptocurrency. There's actually companies that only do that. That's the service they offer. So, so that that's a really interesting angle. But in terms of blockchain itself, the principle behind it is is largely focused on security, right? So you're talking about let's not stick everybody's data on on a cloud that can be hacked and and et cetera, et cetera. Let's let them just own it on their own block on this chain and just grant access to people via this really long-winded sort of essentially password but i think it's called a key when you look at that as a as a concept you the natural progression and the natural place that you start to think of is well actually cloud was introduced to offer some of that benefit the whole one of the big drives of cloud was security you know removing on-premise servers and and security requirements etc etc moving it to in theory a very robust centralized you know place where companies were governing that security layer so it's it's quite a drastic way of thinking, I think, still at the moment. But the concept of me holding my data, my own data, on a block, on a chain somewhere, and then when I join a new employer, just granting them access to it, so it's never held on anywhere. It's never held anywhere other than on my block on the chain. But there's some kind of I call it middleware. I'm not a techie. That may be the wrong terminology. But there's maybe some kind of linkage or logic that goes between a company's platform and my block on the chain each month to pull that data in. So yeah, that, that that's really my knowledge. It's speculative, but certainly there's the potential there that it will completely revolutionise the way of thinking, like cloud did. Yeah, and and well, we're talking about the future of payroll, and people will be looking at this. So it's worth us obviously bringing that up. So I've got one more area which i think is one of the areas that you quite like to uh, explore and certainly perhaps we'll be exploring this a little bit more in some of our face-to-face sessions that we do which is the actual payroll department the function itself where does it actually sit and this is what you used as one of your kind of closing parts of part two of the blog that you wrote because we've seen it at least sitting it sits within the hr function it sits within the finance function but What's your kind of general view and just give to our listeners your perspective as to what you talked about in the blog as well? Yeah, no worries. And this is a it's an age old argument. I think that the the two main choices have always been between finance and HR reward in some places do own it. But the real, I think it's fair to say by far the most common would be either finance or HR. What I think and sorry to be clear i don't think there's a right answer i think it, it depends on the company it depends on the organization there's also an argument to say and the way that i've often looked at this is what problems are you trying to solve with for instance a payroll transformation and if what you're trying to solve is a lack of control actually finance can sometimes be the best option in terms of where you point payroll throughout that transformation journey if actually your challenge or your focus in in a company is around service and the softer side of that kind of thing actually it makes more sense for payroll to form part of your hr people function so there isn't really an answer the one argument i think at the moment is around um, and something that's gaining legs i think payroll's even going to be recognized in june i think it is on linkedin as its own industry or its own function so it will no longer be i have to choose hr even though i'm a payroll person or finance yeah. even though i'm a payroll person and and there's a lot of drives i know you know there's a lot of companies out there that are driving for that to be the case as well and, and it is happening payroll are being stood up as their own function in many companies i think there's just a word of caution around that and i think what i would say is and I mentioned this in the blog as well, but there's always this conflict conflict of budgetary drives. So I'm sure we've all, most of the listeners on this call, and, and certainly I've experienced, 
where you're trying to get a transformation off the ground. You know it's the right thing for your employees. You know you need to do it. You know you need to upgrade your software, whatever it may be, and you can't because you need the buy-in of, for instance, finance, and they've got their own budget and their own set of drives for this year, and they don't have the resource time budget to support to support you. That happens the other way around as well. And I think the danger of putting payroll in there as its own complete distinct function with its own budget, its own set of you know priorities and drivers is you actually just add another layer to that and i think it's it's quite difficult to navigate and to get change off the ground in a lot of companies because of the complexity is already there in that that front and that's the danger and and that's not insurmountable but it's certainly the word of caution when we look at that i think for me while there isn't necessarily a, a one size fits all answer my preference would always be for payroll to sit within the people function so traditionally hr but now more referred to as people and i think that's because of the the stuff we've spoken about already on this podcast really you know the changing focus of or sorry changing expectations of payroll to start supporting employees more as opposed to just offering a transactional service and i think to do that effectively it should be very closely intertwined with the broader offerings and sort of people landscape brilliant well chris we have come towards the end of today's podcast as always it's been great to chat with you and Get, see you on your soapbox in all your glory. We'll obviously be discussing this topic. We've been to- discussing some of the topics we've been doing in some of our community forums. As I mentioned, if you'd like to be part of them, then please reach out to us and we will certainly uh, like to talk to any and as many payroll professionals as this particular function starts to grow in itself. You can, of course, get this podcast via our website. You just need to go to latestpartners.co.uk forward slash podcast. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcast. You can shout HR in the offensive into your uh, Alexa device and it will bring up the latest episode. You can also see our back catalogue as well through all of those channels as well. Thank you very much for joining us. So, Chris, thanks for joining me, mate. Thank you. No, enjoyed it again. Yep, always good to uh, always good to chew the fat on all things payroll, and we will see you next time on the HR on the Offensive Podcast. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.